0: Hello everyone and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think, we just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I'm a youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. This is our 10th episode, our very first double-digit episode here at Not So Secular. And I am grateful. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you've been listening since the first episode, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, regardless of when you started listening, or if this is your first episode, thank you for being here. Thank you for making time for this. My prayer and my hope as we go forward is that this would continue to be of value to you, that this would continue to be of service to you in your faith walk with Christ as you seek to know Him better and follow in His ways better as well. For today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you a talk that I gave last year at Youth Home Taft in one of our live stream sessions. But before we get to that, I'd like to share with you three things very quickly um, with regard to what's happening here at Not So Secular. And so the first one is this. I will take a break for one week. So next week, next Friday, there will be n- no new episodes here at our podcast. But the week after that, next next week, next next Friday, we'll continue on with our regular programming. And so expect the new episode, episode 11, to come out by then. For the meantime, which brings us to the second thing that I'd like to share with you, for the meantime feel free to listen to the previous episodes if you haven't yet. Or if you have, you could re-listen to it. The beauty about what we're doing here at Not So Secular is that we're not relying on current events. We're not relying on current trends. Although it is good to see these events and these trends through the lens of our faith, through the lens of the Bible, of the scriptures. But we're not really tied to that. And the episodes that we're releasing, the content that we're coming up with, our content that you could listen to regardless of when you are listening to this because these are timeless truths, right? Especially when we're talking about scripture, especially when we're talking about the teachings of the church. And so these would continue to be valuable. I hope that these would continue to be valuable to you as we go forward. And the last thing that I'd like to share with you is this. Please do help us out by sharing this with your friends. If you... Enjoy what we're doing here. If you're learning from what we're having here, do share this with your friends. Share it on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever. You could recommend it to someone, someone whom you think might need something like this. And let's continue doing this together. Let's continue going forward, helping each other follow Jesus better. And so without further ado, our episode for today, our talk for today is called The God Who Is Moved. Let's just get right to it. Let's begin. Here we go. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. and uh, I'd like to introduce myself for those of you who may not know me yet. Hi, my name is Mon. Can I get a hi, Kuya Mon? And one of your kuyas here at Youth Home, and welcome, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And the first thing I wanna, uh, we wanna share you. We wanna tell you is that you know this place. This place is more than just something that you watch. Youth Home is more than just something that you scroll past in your news feed. There's a reason why you're here. There's a purpose why you're here, and that could be maybe God's God's bringing you in. You know, maybe he's he's dedicated this time for you to refresh yourself, for you to recharge, for you to reconnect with him or you to reconnect with people. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Wherever you're coming from, right, whatever state your heart may be in right now, this is a good place for us to be filled up again in the presence of God, in the presence of God. And so I'm really excited for you. I'm really excited for what God has in store for us today. And so youth home you see here here we're 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 a gathering right we're a gathering of of students from the Taft area and ngayon is na sila sa Taft <laughs> literally but but uh, we're, we're we're a gathering of different young people from different universities who come together every Wednesday evening or every Wednesday afternoon for that matter to 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 pray together to worship God together and to hear his word and if you're new here we'd like to welcome you we'd like to welcome you into this place right we have something special in store for you as well if it's your first time joining us and so we'll tell you more about that later on but for the next few minutes that we will be having together that we will be sharing together i want to i want to take some time right let's take some time together to hear and to listen to to sit close right and to press in to what god has to say for us and i'd like to share with you something very simple our, our message for this afternoon the title of our message this afternoon is the god who was moved the god who was moved and we want to take some time to read from the word read from the bible and to try to understand to try to dig deeper Right? And to to what God is revealing to us today. And so, without further ado, let's begin. We're going to be taking our reading this afternoon from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 34. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 34. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Your face reveals something about you. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's super obvious, right? It's super out there, right? But sometimes you forget, right? Sometimes you forget that truth that your face reveals something about you. Have you ever had. Uh, have you ever received these kinds of remarks? Yung, yung, yung sabi na ba na, parang pagod na pagod ka. Mo, nakita ka, nakita ka, tapos sabi sayo, Uy, ayos ka lang ba? Okay ka lang? Like, have you ever had those kinds of experiences? Or have you ever had those kinds of instances where someone out of the blue just asks you like that? Parang, are you fine? Like, are you okay? Because you look down. Because you look, you look, you look terrible. <laughs> Have you ever had those kinds of instances? And maybe it's true, right? Maybe no you not talaga okay and so it shows in your face. Or maybe it's not, right? But your face says something about who you are. About who you are. On the other side of the spectrum, on the other side of, of, of the... Well, on the other side, well, you, we also get remarks such as, usually for the women, right? Such as, you blooming today, Blooming mo ngayon, anong meron? <laughs> You look happy today. Those are the kinds of, of remarks, right? Those are the kinds of compliments that are that are nice to hear, right? That are good to receive. You look happy today. You look happy today. Or maybe on the more extreme side, you' para excited na excited ka, anong meron? Right? Parang ganadong ganado ka. There, there are some, there's those times, ba? There are those times when our face, right? Our face just reveals the state of our being. It just reveals the state of where we are. Your face says something about you. And that's the thing. When we are on the perceiving side, tayo naman yung nakakita sa ibang tao, right? The way we see someone affects the way we treat that person. Tama ba? The way we perceive kung ba okay. And we... We, we have those things, right? The way we see someone uh, affects how we treat that person. For example, kung mukha siyang masungit, we have a tendency to be more careful with what we say and what we do, right? We have a tendency to be more reserved. We have a tendency to be more, if that person looks intimidating or kung mukha siyang mayabang. Minsan ganyan tayo, di ba? <laughs> May mga first impressions tayo of certain people, right? Baka... This is a problem for people in my RBF, right? <laughs> mo yan. <laughs> and so and so we parang, parang okay. And so we have those kinds of moments sometimes. And sometimes it's not just about how you how you present yourself. Sometimes it's also about um, the way you perceive someone because of who that person is. For example, you would treat your professor. Differently from the way you would treat your classmate. You would treat your parents, for example, differently compared to how you would treat your siblings. You might have respect for them. You might have love for them, for both parties, for both sides. But the way you express that is different depending on how you see them. On how you see them. Right? We know this. We know this. Um, it's said that a huge part of communication, it's, it's communication is not, is not just verbal. It's not just what you say. It's not just what, what you hear other people say. Right? A huge part of communication is how you look like, right? How you present yourself and then the, what you do with your hands, what you do with your face. And that's a huge part of how we communicate as human beings. That's why that's why it's easy for us to fall into into misunderstandings and miscommunications when it comes to communicating through text. Mika na ba kayo ng experiences? Diba? Yung akala mo, galit siya. Galit ba ito? Walang emojis, eh. Right? Walang LOL, walang XD, ganyan, para sa mga masutat <laughs> uh, na nana. And, parang hindi mo sure kung galit ba siya o hindi. And maybe he's just saying na, uh, alam mo yun, maybe tinep niya, no? Basta tapos whatever. Nakalagay, whatever. Shucks, baka galit siya. Sabi niya, whatever. Pero on his side pala, sinasabi niya lang, eh, ah, whatever. Right? But we don't see that. We don't see that because it's all just text. It's all just text. Right? The way, again, the way we perceive someone affects how we treat them or how we respond to them. And so it's very important. It's very important to keep that into our heads. Because I want to ask you this question. When you think of the face of Jesus, what image comes to mind? When you think of Jesus, when you think of God, what is the first picture that pops in your head? Is it a picture of the crucifix that we see a lot when we're in churches? Is it a picture of, you know, one of the more common pictures of Jesus, like the sacred heart? Um, Is it... A picture of Jesus as a meme. Because you see, you see, alam niyo yung mga memes na, yung mga memes recently na tignan natin. Yung, yung ganun. Is that your picture of Jesus? It could be. It could be. But it matters. It matters to, to assess and to try to think and to try to identify what is our picture of Jesus. Why? Because the way we see Jesus affects how we approach Him. The way we see Jesus affects how we come to him, if we come to him at all. And so let's take some time this afternoon for a few minutes that we have. Let's take some time to, to try to try to get a better sense, right, of who Jesus is. And we want to do that through the story, the passage that we just read, the passage about the bleeding woman, right? And so... We we read it a while ago, but for just a, a bit of a spark notes, right? The spark notes version is that Jesus was approached by this synagogue leader who was asking for help, right? So standard Jesus story intro: someone approaches Jesus asking for help, right? and then we hear of this guy asking for help because his daughter was dying, and so what Jesus. What Jesus does is he responds, right? He responds to this guy and he he goes on his way. He goes on his way to to where his daughter was, to where the synagogue leader's daughter was, so that he could heal her. And then along the way, we are introduced to a new person, right? We are introduced to this, this, this new person that we know as the bleeding woman, the bleeding woman who was also looking for healing, was also looking for healing. And so to to try to uh, to try to appreciate this passage better, I want to give you a bit more context. Is that all right? I want to give you a bit a, a a better picture of what that meant or what that was like. Okay? Does that sound cool? Are you ready? All right. And so there were two women basically there were two women who were in need. One was dying And the other was bleeding, right? And so these two two people were in need. And Jesus, by this time, by this point in in the gospel of Mark, he had been healing people left and right. So Mark makes it a point that he brings out story after story of Jesus healing, of Jesus reaching out to this person, of Jesus embracing this person. And so that's what happens, right? That's what Jesus had been doing. And so Jesus hears of this this, this this guy who asks for help. And so to give a bit, of, a bit, a bit more insight into, into what exactly is happening here, these two women who were sick, one was dying and one was bleeding, the situation is more complex than it looks. Because according to their customs, according to Jewish law, coming into contact with both of these people or with either of these women would render someone as unclean or impure. Okay, you may be staring at me right now wondering, what does that even mean?" Right? Okay, hear me out here. Hear me out here. There are certain there are certain commands in the Old Testament that refers to this. And I want to read to you some. I didn't we didn't um we didn't create visuals for this, so you better listen. <laughs> and so I want to read to you some of them, right? This is from Numbers 19 verse Eleven, It says, all those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. So if you were to touch a human body, a dead human body, a corpse, basically, you were, you were to be acknowledged or to be rendered unclean, ceremonially unclean, meaning you weren't allowed to, to do the ritual practices in the temple. It it is for this reason that another story, um, the story of the good Samaritan. Are you familiar with that story? It was this guy who was in need, beaten down on the other side of the road. And then there were three people who encounter him, who meet him. There was a priest, there was a Levite, Levite, and there was the Samaritan, right? And the priest and the Levite, they chose to walk on the other side, ignoring the person in need. This sheds some light into why that is. The priest and the Levite were trying to avoid, in the case, on the off chance that this guy was already dead, they were trying to avoid being rendered unclean. Unclean. That happens when you touch a dead body. Another another command that we see is found in Leviticus chapter 15. This one is in verse 19. It says, Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. It goes on in verse 25. It says, if a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking. You're probably thinking, okay, weird, right? Unclean. Okay, unclean. What does it mean to be unclean? Let's go through that a bit, uh, very briefly. Right, because I really think, I really believe that this is gonna this is gonna give us some profound insight, right? Understanding this is gonna pay off. And so bear with me, bear with me as we as we dig deeper into this. What what, what do we mean by unclean? You see, there is this idea in their time um, called ritual purity. Ritual purity. And the idea there is that God is holy. God is holy. To be holy is to be set apart a good way of understanding this would be God is like the sun, right? The sun is is good. The sun is emanating. The sun is, is the sun gives life, right? The sun gives life. It's, it's powerful, but at the same time, it's also dangerous. It's so powerful that it can be dangerous, right? So the way they would view the presence of God is something like that. So God is holy, and so if you were to come into the presence of God as a human being, you need to be prepared for it. You can't just waltz in, right? You can't just barge in, walking straight into the sun. Well, that's physically impossible. But if you, if, even if it was possible, you wouldn't survive, right? It was something like that, and so you can't just do that. You need to be prepared. You need to be in this state of purity, meaning you were, you were, um, how would you put this? You. Meaning that your sin and your state had to be dealt with so that you could approach God properly. You could approach Him well. This is temple imagery. Are you with me? This is temple imagery. Before the priest or the representative could enter the temple, he had to be prepared, he had to be pure. Meaning, morally pure. That's one. You had to be living upright in an upright manner. The other side to it is you, you shouldn't be in contact with anything that is that resembles or represents death. That's why they were they weren't allowed to touch dead bodies and blood. And so let's go back to Jesus. Right? Here we see Jesus this guy comes, approach, approaches, right? This guy approaches, asks for help for him to heal someone who was dying. And then here, along the way, so Jesus, Jesus agrees, and along the way, we encounter this other woman who wasn't dying, yes, but she was bleeding. She was bleeding. And so by, by, by those standards, Jesus weren't, you know, Jesus could be more cautious. He could be, he could be more careful with the people that he deals with, right? Because he could be rendered unclean, which is not necessarily a sinful thing, right? It's just a state of being, right? And so um, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. He had to be more aware of these things. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to, I want to emphasize this. Jesus with what happens with Jesus, we see that things are different. Jesus changes the game. Jesus changes the game. How do we see this? Because normally, normally we become unclean when we come in contact into things that are unclean. For example, kung ang sabon nahulog sa lapag, lilinis ba yung lapag o yung sabon? And so that's a good thing to ask. You. That's a good thing to think about. Okay, what about this? Measure I- extreme naten ng kanto, huh? What if yung face soap mo, yung face soap mo, looks sa inodoro, looks sa toilet bowl? Would you still use it? Some of you, yes. Some of you, no. Maybe I don't know. And so. But you would be cautious, right? You would clean it. And that's the thing. That's, that's, that's the basic concept, right? If you, were, if you were unclean and you were to get in touch with something, oh, if you were clean, rather, and, uh, and you were to come into contact with something that is unclean, you would become unclean as well. And this is where it's different with Jesus. Jesus. This is how it's different with Jesus, because this is what happens. something different when Jesus encounters the unclean. When Jesus encounters the unclean, instead of the clean becoming unclean, it is the unclean that becomes clean. Instead of the impure uh, instead of the pure becoming impure, it's the impure that becomes purified. Something happens, something is different. With Jesus. And so when we approach Him, are we like that? Do we approach Jesus with that kind of perspective, with that kind of thinking, with that kind of outlook? Do we think na kapag lalapit tayo kay Lord, kailangan okay na tayo? Na parang ang hirap-hirap langapit sa Kanya pag hindi okay yung buhay natin. Have you ever had those kinds of experiences? Have you ever made those kinds of jokes na kapag, uh, Ay, pumasok sa chapel kasi baka ako, ako Yung mga biruan. or maybe you've been on the other side, you've been on the receiving side of that. When you asked someone to join this, to join youth home, or to come to you, come with you to church, right? maybe you've gotten those kinds of remarks before, na, Bak, baka ako kasi ako But you see with Jesus, it's different. Try to picture it in this way. Um, try to imagine you coming from outside. So you've you've gone through a whole day outside. It's it's been tiring. It's been hot. You've been commuting from Taft, El like ka, sumikse ka. Try to look back to the times na kaya pa natin gawin ito. <laughs> and uh, sumiksik ka sa LRT, pawis, pawis mo, pawis ng iba, halu halong pawis, tapos kadiri, tapos umulan, tapos para. And then you just feel icky. You just feel unclean. Right? And try to imagine going home. What would be, upon going home, what would be the first things that you would want to do when you come home? I don't know about you guys, but one of the first things I would want to do is take a shower. Take a long shower. <laughs> that would be one of the refreshing things, right? That you could do if you've gone through a difficult day, if you've gone through a tough day. And now try to think about this. What if, what if bago ka shower? What if bago ka shower inisip mo? Alam mo, ano kaya magandang gawin? Kasi masyado akong marumi para mag-shower. Eh. Maglinis kaya muna ako sa labas. And so naglabas ka ng bimpo, tapos si mo muna yung sarili mo bago ka pumasok sa banyo. Kasi masyado kang madumin. Eh. So linisin mo, linis ka muna konti. Tapos kapag ka malinis ka na, tsaka ka pa lang mag-shower. What if you saw someone doing that? What if you saw your brother or your sister, your sibling doing that? What would you say? What would you think? dude it doesn't make sense at all you know you don't clean yourself up before you enter the shower you enter the shower and the shower cleanses you right and so why do we think that before we approach jesus we need to have we need to have ourselves together why do we think that before we approach jesus we need to be perfect we need to be super clean and super pure why do we think that before we approach jesus Okay buhay natin. Instead of approaching Jesus and allowing Him to do the cleansing, the healing, the mending in our hearts, in our lives, doesn't that make more sense? Hayaan natin si Lord ang pumunong sa atin, ang maglinis sa atin. A life of following Christ is a life of, of being transformed, of being renewed, of being refreshed. The beauty of God's love is God's love meets you where you are but it doesn't leave you there. It doesn't leave you in the dirt. it doesn't leave you on the ground. It picks you up and allows you to take the next step forward. If you're watching this with someone, won't you encourage that person and tell that person, dude, mag-shower ka na. <laughs> mag ka na. Nasa lang tayo lagi, pero mag ka na. <laughs> Physically. Spiritually. <laughs> right? right. And that's exactly what happens with the bleeding woman. Jesus honors her faith and restores her to wholeness. Restores her to wholeness. And that in itself is great enough already, right? That in itself is amazing. That in itself is powerful, right? That truth, knowing that truth could get us somewhere. But as we come to a close, as we we wrap this up in a few minutes, I want to share with you, I want to emphasize this one point though. That more than what Jesus does, more than what Jesus does, what makes this experience even richer is how he does it. It's how he does it. Let's go back to the passage, right? In Mark chapter five, I want to read to you just a certain part of it in verses 30 to 34. This is the part where of the bleeding woman, so the bleeding woman comes um, from behind Jesus. She is coming from a point of desperation. We are told that she has been, she has been sick, right, for twelve. Am I right? Twelve years, right, and so she had been suffering for twelve years with constant bleeding. That's intense man if you were to go if you were to go through something like that i mean we we're, we're what we're in quarantine for we've been in lockdown for six months, so try to imagine the life of this woman who had been suffering with this illness for twelve years straight, and so we see we are told Mark tells us that she has she has come to the aid of doctors and she she has she has asked for help and looked for solutions everywhere, and yet she has gone empty-handed. And so, this woman ap- approaches Jesus with a sense of desperation. She reaches out, and we see this in her words when she says that, if only I could touch His robe, if only I could touch the end of His garment, ko lang yung dulo damit ni Lord, I will be healed. Ah, I will be healed. And sure enough, she was but this is this is where things escalate in verse 30 we read jesus realized that once that healing power had gone out from him so he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my robe His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? His disciples said to him, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You see what Jesus does? Jesus turns around and faces her. Jesus didn't have to do that. Because the woman already got her healing. She was already healed. And Jesus was on the way to someplace else, right? He was on the way to heal someone else. It just so happened that he healed someone else along the way, right? He healed someone else along the journey. But here's the thing. This woman, this woman receives healing. And Jesus, being the guy that he is, won't let her slip away without seeing her, without looking her in the eye, without having a personal encounter with her. He makes it a point. He intentionally does it. He makes it a point to look around and to look for her, to look at her and to affirm her faith, to affirm what she has done, to tell her, to even call her daughter, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. He affirms her. He comforts her. Because we see in the passage that even though she was already healed, she was still trembling. She was still frightened. She was still afraid. But Jesus makes it a point to encounter her anew. Look her in the eye and tell her it's going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And you see, the same is true for us. Jesus is not content with us getting a passing blessing from him. And neither should we be. He longs for a personal encounter with us he longs to look us in the eye to see us face to face and to affirm us and to love us and to embrace us not just for us to get something out of him not just to get some not for, just for us to get something from him but for us to receive him he is the gift here we are given a picture of jesus who is moved He is moved by someone else's need. He is moved by someone else's encounter. He is moved by someone else's suffering. He is moved by someone else's healing. He is the God who is moved. He is not some distant deity who is either oblivious or unaffected with our day-to-day activities or with our day-to-day affairs. No, He is deeply connected. He is immersed into our lives. This is the same Jesus who welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is the same Jesus who leaves the 99 for the one. This is the same Jesus who welcomes us each and every time. This is the same Jesus who celebrates with us, who loves us. This is the same Jesus who sees the best in us and sees the things that that we have done well even when others don't see it. This is the same Jesus who smiles at us. Have you ever have you ever pictured Jesus smiling at you? looking at you with loving eyes. I don't know about you. Huh? I don't know about you, but when I picture this scene of Jesus turning around and looking for the bleeding woman and affirming her, I don't see it as someone who is judging. I don't see him as someone who is upset. Whenever I picture this scene, I see him. I see Jesus as someone who, who is present, who is warm, who is... Loving, who is accepting. Why does this matter? This matters because the way we see someone affects how we treat them, the way we perceive someone affects how we approach them. How do we see Jesus? How do we look at Him? Do we see Him as someone who is distant? Do we see Him as someone who is unaffected, unmoved? Or do we see Him as someone who goes after us, who loves us, who pursues us, who embraces us in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our stress, in the midst of our sleepless nights, in the midst of our heartaches and pains, in the midst of our joys, in the midst of our gratitude. He is a never-present God. He is actively involved in this love This love is something to experience for yourself.